Okay then, it's just uh, a couple of minutes after 1pm on a Thursday afternoon, which means time for another edition of Between Two Femmes. I'm Mabale Moloy and Aspasia Karras, still jet-setting, traveling the world, because you know, this is the life of a, um, a, a magazine editor. You get to fly around, you get to travel the world, it's all great. Um, you get to go to exotic places. So I'm holding it, uh, I'm holding it down on my own this Thursday, but uh, hopefully she will be back next week. Um, if you would like to get in touch with me throughout the next hour, you can always call in 0861 555 And then of course you can message us straight through to WeChat on our Cliff Central official account. Uh, exactly that, Cliff Central. Um, you can also tweet us at cliffcentral.com. Now, I was having a conversation with my mom just a couple of days ago and this, you know, this happens every now and again. And, um, you know, I was just saying to her, I can't believe that there was once upon a time where I couldn't wait to, um, start working so that I could make my own money so that I could move out of my parents' house so that I could call the shots in my own house and basically be in charge of my life. And now that I am here and I'm sure you will agree with this sentiment. Now that we are here, we're in the space. We're grown-ups, we've got bills to pay, we've got so many responsibilities to do. Every now and again, I'm sure, just as I did a couple of days ago while talking to my mom, you sit back and you think to yourself, why was I in such a rush to grow up? This is hard. There should have been a crash course of some sort. They should have said to me, it's all hard work and you know there's just so many responsibilities and every now and again you're going to go home and you're going to be stressed and you're going to be thinking about bills and this and that and um so on that tip i've got sasha ristic joining me this afternoon good afternoon sasha good afternoon (laughs) and uh sasha you are the portfolio director of ad talent which is a recruitment agency that's right, in Johannesburg, and we've got a branch in Cape Town as well. In Johannesburg and Cape Town, and basically what you guys do is you help the rest of us <laughs> in those moments where it is time to look for a job or when it's time to change your job, you know. Uh, this, is, this is what you do. This is the essence of your work. So, That's right, taking over the world one CV at a time. So I, I wanted to have you join us this afternoon because I think, you know, I think everybody goes through this at some point. Um, you need to apply for a job, which means that you need to, there's some checkpoints that you need to go through. You need to go through your CV and then you need to prepare to go in for an interview and you need to prepare to impress people. And you're doing this, um, against hundreds, possibly thousands of other applicants, I'm sure. Absolutely. So in terms of, you know, what we do, obviously we're, we're a niche agency, but in terms of what recruiters do, in terms of preparing individuals on the client side and the candidate side, it's marrying up that talent. And I think a lot of us, as you said, we, we rush to get to that next point in our career or start our careers. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's about starting out in terms of that CV and best presenting and readying yourself for that interview. Okay. So I want us to go through this step by step because I think it is always useful to have uh, the right people who are in the know to guide you through this process of applying for a job. And it's a big deal. Every single one of us go through this process in our adult life. And it is hard. If you pay attention to any of the figures that get released uh, through the media in terms of how South Africa is doing 
uh, in terms of our economy. Just a couple of weeks ago, we heard the statistics of how over a quarter of the youth in this country are unemployed. These are staggering numbers. So we are in a tough environment, and at the same time, we have responsibilities that we need to meet. So I thought it would be a good idea to get Sasha Ristic from Ad Talent in here to just kind of help us along. So um, I suppose I suppose a good place to start, Sasha, would be with you. Actually, <laughs> I mean, let's let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, your your background, so to speak, is is marketing, if if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So I'm of the industry in which I now recruit. So within the advertising and marketing arena, I'm both in agency previously and on client side, so for the brand, and then moved into specialist recruitment, which basically gives me a really solid understanding of the challenges that the candidates face. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not easy, and the the kinds of skills and you know the kind of technique in which a candidate needs to sell themselves in terms of their engagement with the client. So basically what the client is looking for and having an intricate understanding of that. What are some of these challenges that you mentioned, Sasha? So they, they're growing and they change all the time, obviously, you know, as, as the market and trends change. So largely we are absolutely a candidate dense or rich, you know, market and country. As you said, we've got, you know, staggering numbers in terms of unemployment. We have a large um, number of unemployed individuals. And although there is absolutely talent and skill set, there's, you know, specialist skills which are lacking. So the challenges often that employers face is when interviewing, they, you know, often the candidates can meet certain criteria and absolutely are capable of doing a job, but they might not have specialist skills that the company is so desperately seeking. And what I find interesting currently is, you know, we're in 2015. And if you maybe had to rewind, let's say 10, 15 years ago, um, there are some jobs today that didn't exist back then. Absolutely. So, I mean, the change in the environment as well, that also has to, must have a big impact on, on the job the job scene. It's had a huge impact and where roles used to be more sort of widespread and not needing specialist skills, what's happened is that the job market has opened to completely new roles that are specialist in very specific areas. So, for example, within the financial and IT sectors, there might be roles for specific kinds of developers where previously web development was a very broad term and equally on the digital scope and very broadly outside of advertising and marketing there's absolutely you know a skill shortage in terms of UX and UI and I could throw a whole lot of acronyms and abbreviations your way SEO PPC ORM these now, now you're just starting to sound like <laughs> you a rapper know, exactly <laughs> either that or a corporate animal but you know <laughs> these kinds of things are are really, you know, in demand and they, although there are starting to be tailored courses and, you know, qualifications that one can have to, to back them, the experience is valued and, and then again, candidates find themselves in a catch-22 where they're trying to get the experience based on the qualification, but they are getting denied access to the experience and start of their career because they don't yet have the experience that they're trying to get. Is it just me or is there no actual uh, structure or guideline or even in the form of advice when it comes to preparing yourself to apply for a job? You know, you get a lot of young people who are fresh out of school and then all of a sudden they need to start applying for jobs in the real world. 
And I, I mean, I don't even think that most of them know how to go about doing it. Nobody ever sits you down and says to you, this is what you need to have in your CV. You need to go through A, B, C, and D. This is what it leads to look like. You kind of pick that up from, let's say, maybe your older brother, or you go online if you have that luxury and you Google it, how to compile my CV. <laughs> But uh, it's a tough environment. It's a very tough environment. And obviously, you know, we aren't all in a privileged position where we are, you know, attending a, a course or completing a degree or a diploma where they prepare you. There are some companies out there who have identified that need and they're really starting to do exciting things in terms of work readiness programs and seminars and are offering things to better prepare the youth for, you know, work readiness to enter the market. And recruiters like ourselves have on their website freely accessible information to prepare you, you know, in terms of your CV, the structure of that, readying you and preparing you for the interview process, questions to expect, mm. the, the do's and don'ts really in terms of everything from body language to the kind of information you do and don't share, the kinds of questions you should and shouldn't, you know, progress with or answer. So those things are, you know, as we progress in our careers, something we become familiar with, but it is so important in in the early years to to learn where to go and how to begin and then equally as you move through your career to revisit those because again we take as much as you know the experience comes you very often forget the process in terms of the CV what information is tedious and unnecessary and again in terms of the interview process what's important from both sides and to be perfectly honest, uh, a CV from 20 years ago, it, it, it looks nope. completely <laughs> different to what, what is required yes. uh, by the employees, um, employers rather. So let's just go through some checklists here. You know, it's 2015. I'm applying for a job. What, what do I need to know? What is the checklist that I need to go through? When getting my CV up to date. So very importantly is the last words you just uttered up to date. Candidates need to ensure that when they're serious about pursuing the next step or the first step in their career, that the information is up to date mm -hmm. and accurate. I mean, right down to the information. If you've got a gap in your CV, you took a gap year, for example, after school or you traveled, you did part time work that information should be included, recorded with accurate dates, and hopefully you've got a LinkedIn profile which you've assessed and realized is a useful professional tool which should mirror your CV in the sense of what information you are giving in terms of the role, the company, the dates. Very often, you know, individuals leave out the nature of the company. So as a starting point, in terms of personal information, absolutely your name, your surname, your ID number, your ID number, people choose to leave off. It's not a wise move. You know, it's first of all upfront and honest. It gives a lot of information to the potential employer in terms of not only age, but also your race. And in terms of male or female, that's very important to communicate upfront. Obviously, if you're not being represented through a recruiter, it's important to give contact information that is Actual, real, and legit in terms of a contact number after hours, an email address is always ideal. And then in terms of additional information to supply tertiary education information, any relevant um, kind of affiliations or, you know, if you belong to any important groups, memberships, that kind of thing in terms of your professional progression from a, from a secondary education level, certainly to indicate that you've achieved 
up to your, you know, the grade, if it's matric, for example, to state and the year again and where it was obtained, your qualification. And in terms of your employment history, to start at the most recent with the dates accurately recorded as well as key responsibilities or focus areas and performance areas of your role. Sasha, let's talk about too much information because, mm. I mean, you know, it really, you just need to think about, for example, when you get an email that's six paragraphs long, you kind of scroll down this thing and you, t- you think to yourself, there is no way. I that's just, right. I don't have the time. <laughs> and so if my CV is 10 pages long, no. that's also not <laughs> going to work in my favor, right? Definitely so not. So when, when, I mean, what should I not include in my CV? Okay, so importantly, exactly as you pointed out, too much info. Our all of our attention spans seem to have reduced significantly yes, over time. <laughs> so definitely. you know, where we used to read even two paragraphs in an email, we prefer a one-liner. So equally, if you have many years of experience in your CV, it's almost beneficial to summarize in a few lines or bullets your earlier jobs, and then perhaps only to have the detail in terms of those key responsibilities or accounts you may have managed or, you know, whatever the key areas of your role are for the last two. And if you are starting out, we do know that the youth are very good at marketing themselves and and it's a fantastic thing to do once you're in an interview. But in order, we've got to remember the CV is that, that tool, that key to get you, to grant you and open the door to that interview. So in order to get you in front of that client, you need to summarize yourself in the best way. So definitely when you're saying info overload, definitely to keep your, your sentences and info succinct, keep to bullet points, nice, clean, simple layout, nothing complicated. And in terms of achievements and personal interests, keep it down to a minimum, things that are perhaps relevant to the role or industry that you're applying, you know, to or in. Um, but absolutely not long-winded things about how you were the netball captain or, you know, you, you, just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, that's, uh, it's just not, I mean, unless you're applying for a netball coaching position, right, right. which we understand relevance of information, but generally it's not going to stand you in good credit. So you need to keep it short, current, up to date. And, um, to answer your question on 10 pages, I mean, a CV should be no longer really to hold one's attention. Five pages. Pages is pushing it. So, yes. So the ideal would be what? Like two, 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 three pages? So ideal is a, is kind of how long is a piece of string because of the kind of, you know, role and level of an individual. But absolutely three pages at a max. One page summary CV is also a very good way to go and you can always be asked to flesh out certain roles. Um, you know, depending on who is reading your CV and going through it, um, the tone mm-hmm. of the CV is, is that, is that important in any way whatsoever? Because, you know, you, you have this thing now where people of a certain age might feel that young people these days kind of don't have uh, a lot of respect for the, for languages as much as they used to. And so they're very particular on things like grammar and spelling Absolutely. and getting that kind of that kind of detail correct at the very least least I mean, is this still a very critical and important aspect of, of going through a CV? Absolutely. It's it's beyond a given and an expected minimum. The spelling, I mean, especially considering your, your CV should be sort of 
put across in a way that is simple to read, as I was saying, not bold and bright colors. Don't try and be too creative. <laughs> Let's keep the font and the text and the layout all very simple, okay. nicely spaced. And in terms of that, you're working most likely in a program with a spelling check. Yeah. Um, so, yes, apply yourself. Apply, you know, ask someone to ha- have a read over your CV so that your grammar is correct. Certainly don't use, you know, abbreviated words and things in terms of SMS and WhatsApp text and tonight, you know, the number two and then NYT and, you know, you know what I'm saying. So absolutely proper, correct English is very important and you, you will be evaluated and assessed on the way in which you can put yourself across. You can't say you're a good writer in your CV and then, you know, continue with errors and things in your CV. Certainly, if you're starting out looking for a job, you're not, you know, you're not familiar, you're not aware with the interview process. Mm -hmm. And so it's a given that you're going to go into that situation already nervous, you're freaking out. And you mentioned things like body language and that kind of thing. So let's assume that you're going into an interview for the first time. I mean, what what is a given in terms of what is going to be required of you in an interview situation? Because I, I assume that it would help to have this information going in, knowing that, well, this is a given. I'm going to be asked about A, B, C, or D. So if I've got those checked off my list, it's going to make me calmer and a lot more relaxed going in. Absolutely. What are the givens so, in, a, in an interview situation? So ahead of those actual questions that are the givens, the givens that are expected from the employer that you're going to meet with are that you will be punctual, that you will be professionally, you know, presented. So you need to put yourself together in such a way that is in your most presentable fashion, not arrive chewing gum, hopefully, you know, <laughs> half an hour late, slouching in your chair. With a hangover. With a hangover, you know. <laughs> That's never you know, a good start. Slurring over your words. Absolutely, in terms of the way in which you conduct yourself, you know, make eye contact, smile, present yourself confidently and, you know, Answer the questions as well as realize that an interview process is, is two ways. So um, as a junior, that is more difficult and coming in, you are obviously more nervous to ask those questions. But it's important to realize that it'll better, you know, equip you if you ask and are prepared to ask certain questions. So in terms of, you know, the, the kinds of questions you can be prepared to answer as a, as a candidate coming in, um, you absolutely need to be ready to answer a little bit about yourself um, in terms of you as an individual, possibly also professionally um, or academically if you're starting out, what some of your achievements may have been, um, as well as um, you know, be prepared to talk to the, the role in the company. So whoever you're meeting with, you need to have done a little bit of background homework. You need an understanding of the company that, you know, you should have researched them ahead of arriving at the interview, understand what they do. Hopefully you don't arrive at an IT company and <laughs> not know what IT is, for example. Yeah, that, that it, would just be a bad start. It can happen. Okay. It can happen. And And equally, the individual that's interviewing you, you should have, you know, done a little bit of homework on them too. But, um, okay, you know, sometimes you hear an, in, a story in the media and it sounds, it sounds interesting and it's fu- it sounds fun and innovative. For example, you hear about how somebody was applying for a job at the company Snapchat and so what they did was they compiled their CV in a Snapchat format and then they sent it off. I mean, there are all these great ideas that sound creative and innovative, mm. but really, should, should one... 
um, risk being creative with your application or do you just want to stick to the tried and tested format? So the thing that's very difficult to strike is because there's such a, a huge number of applicants at the moment, the one that stands out is obviously he who shouts loudest, you know, kind of thing. So, yes, you can make yourself stand out in that way, but that's why it's it's quite beneficial to go through often a recruiter who is working with whatever client or vacancy you're interested in so that they can represent and guide you in the best way. Um, yes, it, you might get lucky and that Snapchat or crazy kind of video application, you know, yeah. gets you further along, but very often that's not the case. And so I think the most important thing is to remain professional, keep your information honest, up-to-date and succinct, and that will get you your foot through the door. You can show your creativity thereafter. I think one of the more difficult things for a lot of us to come to terms with is the possibility at how long looking for a job can get. Mm. And was, that's increasing. Well, that's that's increasing, you said. Mm. I was talking to a friend of mine who told me that he was searching for two years. I can believe that. How? Okay, so these are the realities that we're facing in our country, in South Africa. Yes. It's very difficult to find a job. It is, and even with qualification, experience, and skill that is relevant to what you're applying for, there's a number of factors. I mean, in terms of, you know, companies being impacted, you know, financially, that that's, of course, impacting in terms of vacancies being put on hold or delayed, and um, retrenchments are happening, so there's often a job freeze, and then they aren't rehiring or they open a rehiring process. So there are many factors that obviously impact on, on the hiring process, but just on a normal window, anywhere from 60 to 90 days from where you've sent your CV to being placed in the position. And that's if you're getting through those interviews and being seriously considered by the company. I'm not saying it won't happen quicker. Sure, there's the times that you go for an interview by way of submission of your CV and within two to three weeks, the right thing, you know, right place, right time, and those things do happen. But by way of our current climate, absolutely jobs are taking, you know, a very long time. And as you indicated, someone looking for two years, there's talent out there that we know of a lot of desperate candidates and they're not desperate due to not having the right knowledge. There's just not the right and not enough vacancies for the skill set we've got. Sometimes people believe that if they apply for jobs that they're not qualified for, that that is, I mean, you know, it's, it's a case of you, you go through the jobs that are available Maybe you qualified for two, but then you apply for four others that you're not necessarily qualified for anyway, because, you know, they think just cast out the net and then see what, what I happen to catch. Does that actually work, though? It's a very bad reflection, honestly, on the individual and the candidate. And the reason is, although it's good to have an open-minded approach and be positive, you know, and perhaps you do have skills that are relevant absolutely to other areas of even one industry, very often you are really overshooting the mark and you're not being accurate in terms of your career direction and path. It also shows that you perhaps aren't sure of exactly where and how you can add value. So is that going to reflect badly on the on the em- employer going through your CV? It, if they're aware of more than one application, yeah. sure, yes. Um, I would say it absolutely works against you. You know, if you're a, a pr- um, applying for similar roles, 
you know, very similar in terms of the requirement. But if you're kind of saying, you know, you can do a bit of producing, a little bit of creative direction, you're also an events manager because you might have waitressed at an event and you're also a client service person as well as a brand strategist and you also can handle, you know, web content management, it's very unlikely you're a specialist in all areas. So it's very important to identify your key set of skills and then sell yourself accordingly and apply as frustrating as it might be to the roles and vacancies that are really relevant to you. But Sasha, you get people who say to you, you need to fake it until you make it. Uh, and I'm one who says that, <laughs> so I support that. So, I mean, part of faking it might mean embellishing on the fact that, well, yes, I can. So, um, yes. I can produce, but <laughs> I haven't really done it. But I'm not going to tell you that because I'm really trying to get this job. Okay, so then faking it, embellishing honesty. What, how do we strike the balance there? So you, you may be asking the wrong person in the sense that I am of advertising and marketing descent, which okay. means I definitely know how to fake it till I make it. <laughs> okay. You know, we sell things to people that yeah. they don't really need. Yes. No, but in terms seriously of your career, absolutely the confidence in terms of fake it till you make it. Yes. You know, as I said again, you know, earlier, you need to get through that door. So once you've gotten through that door, embellish away in terms of how well you can and how capable you are of a certain, you know, area of the job like producing. And even if you've just sort of touched on it and then obviously do lots of research, upskill, but never lie. Mm. So it's just not mm. going to count in your favor, nor to be honest, you might get through that door. You'll never get to a second interview. And that's where you're wasting both the employers and to be honest, your own time. You, it's false hope, false expectation. And I really don't think that's the best way to go about, you know, kind of embarking on your career path. I've often heard people say that the job application process is flawed anyway because um, the, the, the truth of the matter in a lot of industries is that it's always who about know. who you know. <laughs> it's about the connections. For sure, it's, for sure. it's not just in government. It applies to every single industry. It's all about who you know and your connections. I would absolutely agree with you in many instances. I mean, it's, it's the reality and I would be lying if I, if I said otherwise. Um, it's a lot to do about being in the right place at the right time as well and who you know. And we all know the power of networking. The truth is if you're with open-minded individuals where there's no, um, kind of hindering HR processes and that kind of thing and you're, you're networking with decision makers, you may absolutely be successful in in selling yourself across to them and they think this person will add great value to my team my business my organization and and for sure you 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 might get further along the way so i'm not saying that doesn't exist but i'm just talking direct cv for for direct vacancy so there's also the the school of thought that you know i'm not a square peg fitting a square hole a lot of um, employers are realizing now that hybrid individuals exist and are, are very valuable to a business because you bring in an individual with one skill set or with one designation but they're able to perform across many Roles. And so I think that that shift is also changing where, again, recruiters and and HR specialists in-house are realizing that, you know, perhaps they need to think a little more broadly across a scope of skills. Historically in our country, there are a lot of systems that come into play in job application processes where, you know, quotas and that kind of thing. And, 
you know, you get the whole BEE thing and then you get, uh, you know, uh, more women. Well, women need to be considered first over men. But like there are all these systems that come into play in the job application process. And so when somebody says that experience overall should trump everything, are, are they being naive in this country and in our country's context? So I'm, I'm inclined to say they are being naive. Having said that, there obviously are the times where genuinely the experience is what is valued. The experience and skill set is always valued by the employer and the company, but the truth is the truth. As you said, quotas, BE, we, you know, will often get briefed or work with clients and we have to understand that they need to balance and build, you know, the equity within their business. It is what it is and it's a reality. So it's not to say there's no experience in equity. There's, there's huge talent and experience, but very often the mandate is that and you're either white or you're colored or you're black or you're whatever you are. Mm. You need the, the color and the experience sometimes. So it's, it's, it's not really a yes or no answer, but very often I would say yes, they're being naive. I imagine quite a difficult process as well is somebody who perhaps was employed for 20 years and then all of a sudden something drastic happened and now they've lost their job and they need to go back into the job application environment. But now they're applying for jobs that 20, 30 year olds are applying for and now you're in your 50s. I mean, that that must be a difficult process going back into the job application sphere as somebody who's who's got decades of experience under yeah. your belt. So a wealth of experience, absolutely, and nothing to be kind of, you know, laughed at. Um, I think the biggest thing that would work against an individual like that is either how literally the old saying times have changed, but how things have moved along in terms of technology and largely digital. Digital's touching every you know, part of business today in every yeah. sector. So if, if this individual 20 years ago had a very solid career and whilst not working and being employed, they've kept abreast of, you know, industry changes, of technology, etc., and they've upskilled themselves, they stand a far better chance if they've got qualifications that are relevant to today's you know, market and industry and challenge um, in terms of being able to respond to and be effective in terms of solution. Um, equally, in terms of the the older individual, they often are overlooked and it's sad because mm. it's, it's a depth of skill and experience, but very often it's because of culture fit. So you've mm. got these teams of young, funky individuals and they're scared almost to bring in either a heavyweight or a slightly older person because it could so affect that team dynamic. Sasha Rustic, the portfolio director mm. of Ad Talent. Uh, how can we get a hold of you on uh, Ad Talent if we need uh, you know, if we've got CVs that we want to submit or we need to just ask a question or get some information, how do we get a hold of you? So there's a team of us you can get hold of. As I mentioned, Joburg and Cape Town. Our website is adtalent.co.za. It's A-D-talent. 
www.ofwork.co.za and our number in Johannesburg is 011-883-5404. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter and we share, you know, relevant content in terms of or try to share relevant content in terms <laughs> of articles and, you know, things and challenges that we face as whether it's resigning, CVs, etc. There's a number of tips and useful um, articles that... Oh, yes. Oh. Actually, Uh-oh. yeah, no, no, no. Quick, quick I'm question. not being let off. No, 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 no. <laughs> quick, quick question. Um, how does one resign? Because oh. you really don't want to be too emotional in that process of handing in your resignation. How they- long do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be diplomatic. Yes. It needs to be politically correct. Uh, you can't let emotions get into this into this process of re- of resigning. Correct. Yes. Um, courteous, professional, diplomatic, mindful, of course, of the contract that you've signed if you have signed one. Um, equally, if you haven't, mindful of our labor, t- you know, uh, labor laws in this country, and certainly don't just pop your boss an email and expect that to be okay. Um, absolutely in writing, but I, I would really recommend in in person as well as in writing. Okay. All right then, Sasha Ristic, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to keep, keep along with the conversation along, along employment and jobs and that kind of thing. But coming up next, I'm going to be talking to Leanne McGowan. Um, she is a, she is the founder and one of the team members of, uh, happymonday.co.za. Uh, if you've never heard of happymonday.co.za, um, we're going to find out more about them. We're going to be talking about the science of happiness. And uh, part of that is going to be being happy in the workplace because that's what it's all about this afternoon. So uh, we're going to be joined by Leanne McGowan uh, after this. Uh, cliffcentral.com. Clipcentral.com with myself, my buddy Malloy, for another edition of Between Two Femmes. We're keeping it going here along the uh, the topic of employment and being in the workplace. Uh, we just spoke to Sasha Ristic of Ad Talent Recruitments about uh, the do's and don'ts of getting your CV in tip-top shape and then going out and applying for a job. And then once you've got that job, it is very important that you are happy within your job. And so I've got Leanne McGowan of happymonday.co.za joining me this afternoon. Hello, Leanne. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy Monday. I mean, so you guys do not believe in the whole Blue Monday thing. Because we don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't subscribe to Blue Monday. Okay. In fact, that's the whole point of our campaign is to change corporate culture away from everybody um, viewing their work environment for a start on, as a blue Monday okay. to a happy Monday. And not only a happy Monday, but a happy Monday through to Friday. Leanne, you studied psychology, so yes. that is part of your profession. Yes. Um, but I mean, let's face it, the fact of the matter is some of us have to go into miserable places mm. to go into work. Mm, exactly. So, so then, I mean, is it a case of changing the corporate culture or is it changing the mindset as well? Or is it a combination of both? When you talk about changing corporate culture, the first step is to change the mindset. Okay. So, yes, what we do well, what we are hoping to do is to change corporate culture. The status quo at the moment is a healthy employee 
Um, however, a healthy employee is not a happy employee. Happy employees are your most productive. Are we talking physical, mental health? We're talking mental health. Mental health. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the focus for the last 20 plus years in corporate South Africa, for example, has been on physical wellness. Mm -hmm. If my employee gets remunerated and physically I can monitor how healthy they are, they must be happy in their environment. But that's not necessarily the case. And what we do now is implement mental wellness campaigns to start changing that culture to fit more in line with the essentials that are needed for employees to be productive. And that is your mental well-being, your happiness, as well as the fun factor within corporate environments. Because there are a lot of people who hate going to work. Yeah, They hate their job. I, I would imagine that the majority of us hate it. They do. And the problem is that we're not sitting down and saying, how do we change that? Let's change just because... The general public hate going to work on a Monday yeah. doesn't make it okay. There are ways, especially if you look at the international trends, and that's a primarily, you know, what we base a lot of our um, prescriptive work on is what's been happening internationally in terms of changing the culture of work environments and to make it a fun, happy environment where people actually want to work, where they are more productive, where teamwork is better, communication skills are better, and we develop all of those positive aspects instead of focusing on the Blue Monday, which is prevalent in corporate South Africa. But Leanne, some people might say that some job environments are just naturally more happier and accommodating than others. I mean, if you were reporting into the Google offices every day, for example, in mm. the U.S., of course, chances are you're going to be much happier than somebody who has to, you know, like a correctional services officer who has to report Correct. into a prison every day. Correct. The environment is key, yeah. but the leadership qualities are also key. So Google only over the last sort of 18 years shifted to a mental fun factor office environment. They prescribed to, you know, the general status quo that, that we know office environments to be. And they were one of the leading um, companies that changed their focus. And for the last sort of 18 years, they have been in the news based on how they treat their staff and their environment, etc. Mm -hmm. As a correctional services officer, for example, going to work in a bleak environment is even a more reason why management and head office needs to change the way you are treated and the way you feel going into that environment. We can't change every working environment, but we can change the way people are dealt with and we can change the way people perceive their jobs um, to help cope with as well those environments that they have no choice but to work in. Now, you talk about Happy Mondays campaigns mm. where you guys go in and you're trying to change this this uh, this culture. Yes. W what exactly does that entail? What, what kind of things do you do? What kind of activations do you implement? Uh, how do you, how are you guys trying to change this corporate culture? Basically, what we've done is coming from a psychology background. I've worked with corporates for the last 13 years. Um, and I know what their restrictions are. I know what the feeling is. So what we've done is, I'll give you a bit of history. Mm. I've worked for um, current events, doing corporate events for 13 years. And 
the main purpose of the activations of events is for people to have an experience, to leave feeling happy that they've gained something, that they were important. And we've seen how the benefit of those kind of experiences um, is on the return on investment for corporates. And working within the corporate environment, firstly, having done my psychology degree, I did a research report on the life satisfaction of retired individuals. And one of the common threads that came out of that report is that people who are happiness in their retirement were those who were happy at work. And I was sitting at one of my corporate clients one day, and there were three ladies in reception who were bitterly unhappy. Mm. They were miserable. And this is a great company. This is one of the top companies to work for in South Africa. And I said to my colleague, something has to change with employee wellness because they are not happy. People are not happy. Which is a big problem because a great portion of our day is spent at in the, the workplace. Exactly. And, and if then you're you, not happy. And, the, and then you take all of those emotions and you take them home. back home to your wife or husband or children. Correct. Correct. And that is how we started. So I've, I'm using my psychology degree as well as international trends and research. There is an abundance of research as to the benefits of happy employees mm. versus healthy employees. And that's the change that we, we are implementing. Um, what makes an employee unhappy at work besides the obvious? Because I think a lot of us complain about, well, I'm just not making enough money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, but funnily what, enough, what are some of the other factors making people miserable at work? When, when you look at the research into happy employees, remuneration does not come up as a factor for making you happy. But if I am constantly worried about the fact that I'm not taking home enough money, at home to pay my bills it adds to your stress but if you work in an environment where your value Mm. system Mm. and what you are able to offer is enhanced it's appreciated you feel valued the the biggest complaint that we have um and predominantly we work through hr teams but we do get to meet a lot of people on the ground and the biggest problem they have is that their companies feel that if they're sitting at their desk, they must be working. Okay. So there's no flexibility. They don't feel that they are communicated to the way they should be. Mm-hmm. They don't feel that there is a, a unified goal between the companies. Your Exco teams and your CEOs are running towards a goal and everyone's trying to catch up, but the messages are not being communicated, which in turn makes you feel less valued, unappreciated, like you're just a number. And that that is the key problem that we have in corporate South Africa, is how to change those aspects and facilitate better communication skills, help companies approach change in better ways to communicate changes. People are scared of change, mm. but change is inevitable. We're not going to get away from change. So how do you communicate and get everybody on board um, in the correct way by focusing on their mental well-being as these processes and as, you know, work and work carries on. And that, that is the key. Um, and going back to our campaigns, the kinds of things that we do are we communicate key messages in humorous ways. People listen. They pay attention when they feel good, when they laugh. Mm. Um, 
we we work with Shireen, who was on you know Cliff Central earlier, who does laughter coaching. Essential to teach adults the basics of laughter. We've forgotten how to just laugh and have fun. How do you teach adults the the, the essentials of laughter? I mean, it's how do you? It's an amazing that? process. It really, <laughs> it is an amazing process. Okay, okay. And movement and. There's very key things. Look, it does depend on HR departments. We work closely with what we can and cannot do in terms of the numbers and the time availability and whatever. But the response to mental wellness campaigns has been incredible. Mm. And that's the, that is our drive and that is our wake up everyday factor and having a happy Monday is that people want the employees to be happy. In a company structure, whose responsibility is it to make sure that your company is happy? Is it the guy in charge? Is it HR? Is it a group uh, effort? Whose responsibility is it to make sure that the workplace is happy? You know, the problem with that is it's actually a collective effort. Yeah. So, yes, the boss is responsible. Yes, HR is responsible. They're there to manage the staff. But... The bottom line is you as an employee. It is also your responsibility to take on specific attributes to ensure the happiness of not only yourself, but your team and your staff. Mm. Because as a team leader, if I can't motivate and communicate with my staff, they're not going to be happy with what they're doing. They're not going to give me 120%. So it's everybody's responsibility. Leanne, as a psychologist, is being happy a choice that I make or is it, um, is it circumstantial? I mean, if, for example, you know, if a loved one dies tomorrow, obviously that's a circumstance. Yeah. But normal day to day living, do I need to wake up and make the choice to be happy? Do I need to, is it something that I need to work on? It, it's definitely, it is a, an everyday choice. That people have to make. There are situations and there are circumstances where happiness just seems so far away. Yeah. But in your day to day life, um, it is a conscious effort and a conscious choice that we as human beings are to make. And that's not only for the self, but that is for other people. Um, for example, the best way to motivate and encourage happiness in, in yourself is an act of giving. Mm. Um, there's so many things that we teach people, individuals, what they can do, you know, to make themselves and other people happy. And it's appreciation, respect, um, saying thank you, using manners, you know, mm. basic things that a lot of people in corporate South Africa, believe it or not, have forgotten to do. And it is a conscious choice every day to make sure that you Put your smile on and you communicate and function with a smile, Mm. with the right attitude Mm -hmm. and do things that encourage the same response in other people. And it is easier for some people. It's much easier, you know, myself, for example, generally very happy. (laughs) Yes. Well, well, that is why, that is why you you launched happymonday.co.za because it was just easy for you. And it is something that people get from you in a room. If somebody walks into a room happy, other people get it. They start feeling it. They start being it. So 
everybody has to do it consciously. Do you think that a lot of us are stuck in this, um, in this mindset where we think if something happens to me, then I will be happy. So if I get a good paying job, mm. if I find the right man or woman, yes. if I have a baby, yes. if I win the lotto, if I do this. I mean, do you think that a lot of us are stuck in this mindset where we're expecting the external environment to, to bring something to us and Correct. therefore I will be happy? Yes. It doesn't come from within me. No. You know, generally as a human race, we expect things to happen to us. Without having to get involved. Yeah. And it's not going to work that way. Mm -mm. Because, for example, let's take remuneration. I'll give you a bonus every month. Now I'm, I'll be happy. I've got the extra money I wanted. I've got the money. That's what I was, that I was, that you wanted. Now I'm going to be happy. Yes. But by month two, you've already learned how to spend that. Mm -hmm. You no longer have extra money. So what is the next thing to make you happy? And if we're constantly seeking external rewards for making us happy, we're never going to get there. That's why it is an internal process that has to take place. You cannot rely on the baby, the husband, the tall, dark, and handsome to make you happy. <laughs> it starts with within, yourself. Within you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Leanne McGowan, uh, your website is www.happymonday.co.za, which is where people can can go to if they want to... Yes. Um, access more information, ask questions, or if they want, if they'd like to have you come into their businesses. Correct. And, and, uh, and help them out with, with this campaign. Correct. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. All right. Yeah. All of our information is on our website. Fantastically. And thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Um, yeah. Happy, happy starts within you basically is, is the message that I'm getting here. Correct. All right. Well, Leanne McGowan of happymonday.co.za. Thank you so much again once uh, once you. again for joining us. And uh, be sure to catch me and Aspasia back next week, Thursday, again for another edition of Between Two Femmes. You are with cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.